Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, joined by longtime BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer. Coming at you midweek prior to the SEC championship game, we're going to be previewing Alabama's trip over to Atlanta to take on those Georgia Bulldogs in this edition of Talking Tide. A little bit of basketball talk on the back end. Alabama's men's hoops team has got a big tilt coming on Saturday as well. More on that later in the program. Get the Talking Tide podcast on Megaphone. That's our web host, megaphone.com. Also, any app you choose, including Apple Podcasts, of course. And you can get us live on Facebook. Get us live on YouTube. We're uh, dropping recordings on Facebook and YouTube as well. Find us on Twitter at Talking underscore Tide. Links to all our podcasts as soon as they drop right there. And, of course, as always, we want to thank our sponsors, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and DraftKings. And with that, we dive right into Alabama's upcoming SEC championship game appearance against Georgia. It'll be a 3 p.m. kickoff central time, I guess 4 p.m. local time at Mercedes-Benz Stadium over in Atlanta. Alabama comes in 11-1 on the season, 7-1 in SEC play. Georgia coming in with goose eggs in those lost columns, 12-0, 8-0. And obviously, it's the game that will draw most of the eyes in college football across the nation, despite the fact that there's a host of conference championship games going on Saturday. It'd be Alabama's sixth trip to the SEC title game in the last eight years. And Travis, we bring you in now to discuss uh, a tilt that I think people have kind of seen coming for a couple months now. I suppose Georgia's trip to Atlanta has been a little bit more certain than Alabama's, but definitely the matchup most have have expected, and, and now it's upon us. It is, and I think Georgia has been able to navigate its path to this game with such ease that certainly the fan base at least has been anticipating this matchup for well probably since early November the Florida Georgia game that was kind of perceived to be the final big hurdle for Georgia uh there was some intrigue in that Tennessee game a couple weeks later because Tennessee was has been showing promise over the back half of the season but for the most part this has just been a game that the folks in red and black have counted down the days to really since the start of the season. No doubt about it. That Georgia defense, definitely the headline unit coming into this game ranked number one in the FBS in yards allowed per game at 231. Also ranked number one in the country in red zone defense, Travis, which is huge. It's especially huge uh, in this in these times of college football when a field goal is is almost tantamount to a stop uh, for anybody, really. Georgia coming in uh, not only with the number one ranked red zone defense in the FBS, uh, opponents with a 545 scoring percentage. So they're turning people away in the red zone for not three, but zero points more than 40% of the time. Pretty remarkable. But beyond that, Travis, in 12 games, 
opponents have only gotten into Georgia's red zone 22 times, right? Uh, Less than twice a game. That speaks for itself, too. It does. It's 2011 Alabama-like, isn't it? In a lot of ways, when you sort of go down the stats. But as you said, this is a different era of college football. It seems like offenses certainly moved the ball with greater ease than they did, say, a decade ago, like we saw with that 2011 group uh, in Tuscaloosa. So a major challenge, no doubt about it, for the Alabama offense, starting with that Georgia defensive front right there in the middle with Jordan Davis, the mammoth nose tackle for the Bulldogs. He's been outstanding. He was a good player last year and actually started against the Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa. Uh, in that matchup a season ago, but he has certainly ascended to star status these days. So uh, it starts right there over the football, and how does Alabama go about that at the center position? Darian Dahlcourt with the ankle injury. Is it Seth McLaughlin? Um, This is a guy that demands double teams, and so when you look at his numbers statistically, they're solid, uh, but a better gauge, again, is sort of yards per carry for opponents, and Really, for both these defenses on Saturday, you're talking about a couple defenses that are holding opponents to around 2.5 per carry. Uh, And Jordan Davis obviously has a a big part of that, along with Devontae Wyatt, the other defensive tackle for the Dogs, and really frees up an outstanding middle linebacker, N'Kobe Dean, to to sort of do his thing from sideline to sideline. Yeah, Alabama's defense certainly uh, maligned at times this season for giving up uh, points. We've talked a lot about some of the breakdowns in the secondary, uh, but here we are at the end of the season, Travis, and, and Alabama's defense is seventh in the FBS, top 10 in yards allowed per game at 294. So while there have been a lot of problems at the end of the day, Alabama's defense has performed a lot better than most. They have, and again, really against the run game, as you saw just last week in the in the matchup with Auburn. Now, gets a little bit different this week because Stetson Bennett presents some wheels to the mix at the quarterback position, which he didn't have to account for. Very obvious against Auburn last week that Alabama was not worried one iota about six foot seven TJ Finley hurting them with his legs. So really able to focus on Tank Bigsby. What I like about this Georgia offense too, I know we're kind of spitballing across both sides of the ball here, but what the hell, right? Yeah, um, we do that sometimes. We do that. Work. We do that. We we don't we're not conformist here. We don't we're not very coachable sometimes here no. on the podcast. But you know what I like about Georgia is the mix at the running back position too. Um so they can challenge Alabama in some ways that say Auburn couldn't last week because James Cook is a very dynamic player. You saw that in Tuscaloosa last year. Uh, they formationed in a way in which they got a one-on-one with Cook on Christian Harris out wide and ended up going for an 82-yard touchdown catch for James Cook. You know, Zamir White, more of a banger between the tackles. He had a rushing touchdown against Alabama in that game last year. And even Kenny McIntosh is a very capable back. Now, Kendall Milton would be in that rotation as well, but he's been dealing with a sprained MCL. He's another back that Alabama saw in Tuscaloosa last year. So familiarity for the Alabama defense, not going to be a big problem where we talk about the backfield pieces are concerned for the Georgia Bulldogs. Another X factor in this game, Travis, got to be George Pickens, right? A guy who's been out all season with an injury, but recently found his way 
back into that Georgia lineup. Hadn't had an explosive game yet. I think he just had one catch uh, the other day. But is he a guy, in spite of the fact that he's he's bound to be carrying at least, I would think, a little bit of rust into this game uh, that, that, that you consider as a, as a potential uh, – uh, a potential big factor for the Bulldogs? I don't. You know, I know he did come back and play against Georgia Tech last week, coming off that ACL. I think bigger concerns for Alabama are going to be how do you deal with Brock Bowers at the tight end position uh, because he's a, a matchup nightmare. Um, Georgia is so heavy with tight ends on a down-in and down-out basis. It's actually going to start there with 12 personnel, Lad McConkey is a young receiver that's really come on nicely for Georgia throughout the course of the season. You know, where I would worry about Pickens if he's in the game, and I would have said this even before his injury, is that in man coverage, they love to hit him on the back shoulder stuff. Kind of like Laquan Treadwell is who I compare him right. to at Ole Miss a few years ago. You remember Laquan. I mean, if it was man coverage, especially into the boundary, the damn back shoulder throw was coming about – 95 percent of the time and so that's where i would be clued in a little bit more maybe with george pickens if he's in the game but i don't see him being a 10 12 target guy i guess is what i'm saying this week flipping it over to the alabama side talk a little bit of personnel there you touched on the offensive line situation uh real quickly on that the whole thing kind of starts with dalcourt's health right uh because if he's a go that tends to settle things elsewhere, I suppose. Maybe uh, even if Dalcourt's able to go, uh, maybe some question as to whether or not we see George or Owens at right tackle. But it starts, I think, with Dalcourt. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Seth McLaughlin was really solid in relief of Dalcourt last week. And that saved Alabama in a couple ways. First of all, he was an upgrade at center. And since you could play him there, you were able to get Chris Owens in the game for Damian George, who was obviously having his struggles. So, you know, if you didn't have McLaughlin step forward in that game and you had to go with Owens, you may have to just try to ride it out with Damian George. They were able to do some things in game, starting with McLaughlin, that were very, very important. And so do you think there's a continuation of that group that we saw from the end, the second half and overtime chase of the Auburn game. How do you think that plays out? I think right tackle is the one that's kind of got my head scratching. I, I agree with you that McLaughlin played well. I, I think if McLaughlin needs to go again at center, he'll be fine. Uh, but, but with what we saw against Auburn from both George and Owens, I wonder who gets to start there, and I wonder how how much tolerance there is for struggles over yeah, on that right side. I, I think even if Owen starts at right tackle, it could be a short leash for him. The concern I had for Damian George, especially last week, was that it seemed like the moment might be a little bit too big for him because it wasn't just that he was physically getting beaten. Um, it's that – and maybe some of this went back to the situation at center too. Uh, there were times where he, he just didn't seem to be maybe fully understanding of even what his responsibilities were right. on some plays. So that's a bigger concern than even the physical attributes that go into playing that position. So, you know, if it's me, I, I come right back out with Seth McLaughlin. If there's any question about Dawcourt, and you can't play a guy on one good ankle – 
against Jordan Davis, can you? I mean, not that McLaughlin is Landon Dickerson. And again, this is where it goes back to Deontay Brown last year, Landon Dickerson. Seems like on a weekly basis, Chase, we have it reinforced to us how important those guys were. And not just because they were 330 and physically dominant type players. These were fifth-year seniors. These were grown-ass men. They weren't second-year guys. Seth McLaughlin, second-year guy. Javion Cohen, second-year guy. Well, now you've got Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, seniors. So that part of it has flipped the script a little bit with these teams, too. Yeah, definitely Alabama's all year long been seeing a much bigger gap between – Evan Neal's performance and the rest of the offensive line as opposed to last year, right? Last year, they were pretty dominant across the front with maybe an exception or two here and there. This year, Evan Neal has has played better than whoever the other four are on a pretty consistent basis and, in my opinion, on you know by a pretty wide margin. So uh, we will see how Alabama attacks that. Brian Robinson, the Crimson Tide running back, his situation bears watching. He got hurt, uh, looked like a hamstring injury anyway. Nick Saban described it as a as a, as a lower leg issue. Uh, he went out against Auburn. He did not come back. Uh, his availability for Georgia, and not just availability, but also effectiveness, which are two different things, very important. And let's not forget Jalen Armour Davis, right? He had a little hip thing, uh, hip injury of some kind. I believe he's day-to-day this week. Mm -hmm. I expect him to go, but we'll see on that too, right? Yeah, it could be Kool-Aid McKinstry for a second straight week. I thought Kool-Aid played pretty damn good against Auburn. Had a sack, had a pass breakup there in overtime. Uh, Did some good stuff, Kool-Aid. So uh, Josh Job had a big takeaway uh, in the game, gave up another back shoulder throw. Um, That seems to be a weekly sort of situation on those, but Safety play was really good against Auburn. All those things are going to have to be in play. And I'd say more so right up the middle of the defense this week, Chase. Not just because of Zamir White and James Cook and uh, that Georgia run game, but because, again, tight ends are very much in play in the passing game. And Georgia will split out Brock Bowers. And they'll split him out like Gronk and getting matched up on a corner even in some red zone opportunities, did it against Georgia Tech last week. So uh, he's very, very capable on a number of different number of different ways of, of being a real problem from a matchup perspective. If Alabama does struggle with that offensive line a great deal, the response from Bill O'Brien, uh, do we see you know more waggles, rollouts, maybe things to get Bryce Young out of the pocket quick passes, right? Hot routes where the ball's coming out of his hands, uh, maybe before Georgia's pass rush can get to him. Whatever the game plan is for Alabama, there certainly has to be a handful of pages dedicated to uh, moving the football if things aren't going great up front. Yeah, he's going to need to maybe go into this game, Jim McElwain in it a little bit. Remember McElwain going into that LSU rematch in the 2012 BCS National Championship game, that LSU defense could go, too, with the the Alabama defense that year or this Georgia defense. And I thought McIlwain in that game, and this was with A.J. McCarron, who 
athletic enough, but certainly not Bryce Young, mm-hmm. um, did some of that type of stuff with AJ, especially early in the game. Move the launch point. Um, don't just try to sit Bryce in there in the cup uh, and, and do some different things and make good use of his athleticism. I also think the quick game, uh, swing and screen game to either Trey Sanders, if he ends up being the primary guy at running back, he's a good receiver. Um, do the same thing with your wide receivers. Whatever run game you're not going to be able to have against Georgia, try to maybe replace at least some of that with that quick game. And uh, and you still got to try your tight ends. I mean, there has been enough. You've seen enough from Cameron Latou and Jalil Billingsley to know that they're capable of contributing. Now, in terms of consistency, that's been kind of an issue. Uh, but I think they have to be in the game plan. Uh, for Saturday. Whether or not they execute and and come through for you is another question, but based on how Georgia can get after you in terms of trying to keep them honest, especially at the linebacker level, um, I think you got to have some stuff for those guys too. Yeah, back in September, it looked like Cameron Latou might be a really big part of this offense, right? Especially in the red zone, Uh, but he's you know, Billingsley's been a forgotten man all year, and Latou's been forgotten more the second half of the season. He has. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, when you look at sort of, um, you know, touchdown catches for those two guys, you combine their numbers, looks really, really good. Uh, but, again, consistency. And, and blocking last week was not good. You know, they bring in Kendall Randolph as sort of that extra tight end, that extra offensive tackle, really, in a tight end number. Um, you know, he had a couple of issues there in pass protection that led to some sacks uh, in that Auburn game. Cam Latou on a fourth and one play to Trey Sanders there in the fourth quarter gets beat inside across his face and Sanders gets stuffed. So, you know, they're going to have to be better in every facet of that position this week uh, against this Georgia defense. I definitely would like to see Alabama get Bryce Young rolled out a little bit more often. We've seen Young at times this year take sacks that he can't take, especially when we're talking about, you know, being in field goal range and maybe getting sacked out of field goal range. And at times in the pocket, particularly when he's looking downfield for deeper routes, uh, slower developing routes, his clock in his head for the pass rush isn't always on time in terms of sensing the rush around him. That's something that, that, uh, a to a tongue of a low was phenomenal at right. He he, he kind of had a sense of the pass rush like like few Alabama quarterbacks I've seen. But when when Bryce Young is, is waggling and 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 moving and and rolling out, uh, all that stuff kind of goes by the wayside, right? I mean, I mean, he doesn't have to worry about so much about the timing of 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 the pass rush and getting the ball out. Uh, he could see the field better in terms of do I tuck it, do I, do I not tuck it. I realize when you roll out, you give up half the field, and, and, and that's the downside, right? Uh, you, you, with a defense as good as Georgia's, you don't want to roll out too much because you don't want a defense as good as Georgia's only having to defend half the field. Uh, but nevertheless, from a pass rush standpoint, I think that's could be key in the game plan for Alabama. Well, I, I think it's a uh, non-negotiable if you can't protect with five or six against four, which I think is a concern for Alabama going into this game. If George is able to get there with just four guys, um, 
that's a real, real problem. So uh, however you've got to go about it, whether it's moving the pocket, whether it's more six, seven man protection uh, to try to give Bryce the time he needs, you're right. He needs to, and he will um, get, get more uh, adept at getting the ball out and having more of that maybe awareness of when the ball needs to come out. And, and that's huge in this game because I think if Alabama is able to give him just enough time, when you look at this Georgia secondary and you think about Tyson Campbell, second-round pick, Jacksonville Jaguars, Eric Stokes, first-round pick, Green Bay Packers, those were the corners for Georgia a year ago. They've been replaced. Uh, even at the safety position, the nickel position, you've got new guys so there's money to be made in that Georgia secondary with Jamison Williams, John Mechie. Who knows? Maybe we see even more of Ja'Cory Brooks this week as well. Uh, but it's all going to go back to you know, how they protect Bryce and also how Bill O'Brien, from a schematic standpoint, is maybe able to help him with that. Can't get through an SEC championship game preview, Travis, without talking tickets and spread. Uh, we'll start with tickets, uh, your nosebleeds over at Mercedes Benz. And I'm not talking upper decks on the 50. I'm talking upper decks in the end zone. Get ins. Just uh, get yeah. in. Just squeeze me in the building. That ticket's going for about 350 to $400. That's the range on it. And, of course, the prime seats, uh, from what I saw on a couple of websites, uh, you're looking at anywhere from $2,500 to $3,500 a ticket if you want uh, one of the better seats in the house. So it's not cheap and it's really not cheap for those fans who want to take that lily pad hop from Atlanta <laughs> to semis to final. Now you're right. If you're a Georgia fan right now, you know, you're going to be budgeting for the college football playoff, regardless of what happens Saturday, Georgia is a lock for the college football playoff. And also I think in terms of trauma, uh, over the last 10 years or so, if you're a Georgia fan, do you want to drop that coin? Because, man, when you think about devastating losses in one town to the same team since 2012, 2012 SEC championship game, 2018 college football, 2000, yeah, 2018 college football playoff national championship game. Less than a year later, you're back in there. And you blow a 14-point lead in the second half yeah. to Alabama. I mean, brutal, brutal losses. I do – I sense confidence coming from the Georgia fan base. What I can't sort of fully figure out, though, Chase, is that is this authentic confidence or is this talk ourselves into finally taking care of the Bama boogeyman confidence? If it goes bad for Georgia at the end and they end up losing this one to Travis <laughs> against Alabama, all I'm asking from CBS is a shot of shoulder pad spikes. <laughs> that, that, that Georgia fan with the spiked out shoulder pad. Super I, I, dog. I, wanted, I want a shot of him. He's around every year. He's in all those big games. He gets in. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of looks like the old wrestlers, the road warriors, you yeah. know, back in the day. <laughs> but at the exactly end of some right. of these Alabama games, he looks maybe more like Cindy Lauper <laughs> back in her wrestling days. Oof. Captain Lou Albano. Uh -huh. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do indeed. Yeah. Golden, golden yeah. years. All right. Uh, the spread, Travis, this is going to be Alabama's first time 
as an underdog in six years. They've gone 92 straight games as a betting favorite. Uh, 2015, the last time Alabama Georgia was an, yeah. was an underdog. Yeah, that's right. And it and it was uh, in a game against Georgia. Bulldogs favored by six and a half in most betting precincts in this one. Uh, over under 50 points even. Uh, thoughts on both of those? Ah, uh, gosh, I, I'm. I think it's going to be right there. I, I think Alabama's going to cover. I like the points. I like. I'm the not points saying there. Alabama's going to win the game. But I'm saying I, I like Alabama to cover the six and a half, and that may go to seven. And if and if you're thinking Alabama and the points, you'd love to see that rusty hook at six and a half going up to seven, right? Push it uh, up. You feel a lot better about that if you're if you're thinking of wagering on the Crimson Tide. I think the total's going to be right there. I think the winner of the game's going to be more around the mid twenties or so. The loser's going to be low to mid twenties. I think it's going to be that close of a game, Chase. I don't know about you. You know, I'll say this about that rusty hook. It's funny. The, the, that rusty hook, that half point on the spreads, it's bigger next to some numbers than others, right? Yeah. You see, you see more games decided by six or seven than you do eight and nine. Or four they're, or five. Yeah. Right. Therefore, a, a hook at the end of a six, that, that, that's good. A hook at the end of a seven is even better. A hook at the end of an eight, if you're betting the dog, that doesn't help you much. Right? You know who puts more thought into all that than either of us, though? Who's that? The man. The man. <laughs> yes, he does. The yes, man has does. studied all that a little bit more than us. And he, you know what? He likes to hear us talking like this. Oh, it's no big deal if it's five. <laughs> it's, you know, he loves it. Yeah, you're right. It's no big deal. You know, the, next the, thing you know, it's, it's a 28-23 game or something, you know, right on yeah. that total, too. Yeah. You you know the man has really nailed it in terms of the early week spread when it doesn't move, right? More than yeah. a half a point. If the, if it doesn't move at all or if it only moves a half a point one way or the other all I week think he, long, I think he the man loves at, that. It opened at Georgia minus 6, I want to say, and it's gone to 6 and a half. Yeah. And I did. think he put it at 6 thinking he'd get some Bama money and he might, but he's thinking if it goes Georgia a little bit early, he'll get that late money on Bama. Right. And then he's right where he wants to be. Right. It, no question. No yeah. question. It's it's when you see a wild swing, like two and a half points. Mm-hmm. Even the, That's when the man yeah. said it right <laughs> in the beginning and the boys sweats a little bit early. Yeah. yeah. Well, they think they have. They think they have, you know, but um, no, it's uh, yeah, it's it's it'll be interesting to see where the uh, where the uh, what is it called? The sharps, the sharps mm. come in late. You know, with that sharp money. Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Moving on really quickly. Going to thank some of our sponsors right here on Talking Tide. We're going to start by telling you about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, that great dental hygienist staff over there at 1100 Fairfax Park, conveniently located off of Watermelon Road. They got everything going on over there at Dr. Jack's Porcelain Veneers Cosmetic Dentistry pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, endodontics, dentures, you name it. They've also got those popular teeth whitening services for that event coming up. You want to make sure your choppers are looking good. They'll get them whitened up for you over at Dr. Jack's. They're going to get you in and out of the building, typically in less than an hour on a routine cleaning. Also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments for those facial features 
over at North River Dental Associates. Give them a call. The phone number over there, 205-752-3506, or visit them online at northriverdentist.com. Going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier, also there in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. We've said it. It is officially Christmas party season, and you want to be the hit of that. Christmas party that you're either hosting or maybe paying a visit to get by Peterbrook Chocolatier and take some of that chocolate covered popcorn, maybe some of those chocolate covered strawberries. They will get you set up with your party platters at Peterbrook Chocolatier. You got Heather there, you've got Paula, you've got Jimmy, you got Tatum, all working exceptionally hard these days at Peterbrook Chocolatier. And you can give them a call, too, at 205-752-0211. Not too late to get those Christmas orders in. And, man, you got an SEC championship game spread you need to sort of figure out this week, right? Peterbrook Chocolatier would be a great way to help you with that. Or you can do it like me, Travis, and instead of getting in the order early like a smart person, just be yeah. a walk-in. You know? Just I'm walk in walk-in there. Christmas guy. Yeah, they, they, they love you, too. You know, they, 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 they don't care. Walk-ins welcome at the champions of chocolate. It all spins. There's no doubt about it. All right. Finally, we're going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That is going to be DraftKings football fans. We love action packed high score and NFL games. The latest no brainer from the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. You'll be a winner as soon as a single point is scored. New customers who bet $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It is just that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network. Bet $1 on any team to score. You win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN. This week at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Travis, uh, we will jump into a little bit of basketball talk here really quickly before we take a, a quick glance at other conference championship football action coming up on Saturday. But the Crimson Tide, uh, right after taking on number one Georgia in football, uh, folks can flip over to ESPN2, a 7 o'clock tip to see Alabama take on the best basketball team in the country in the Zags. Gonzaga going to be a big tilt. Yeah, I guess you could say that about Gonzaga. They did lose to Duke last Friday night as the number one ranked team, but then we see Duke lose on, what, Tuesday night at Ohio State. So who the hell knows who's really number one anymore? It's that type of start to the college basketball season. But, no, it should be a fun matchup. I mean, you got guys like Drew Timmy. You've got uh, Andrew Nimhart, the Florida transfer that's an outstanding guard for Gonzaga, and a freshman in Chet Holmgren. Uh, down in that post, uh, can play outside, face the basket, really do it all. So a nice opportunity for Alabama in a high-profile type setting. Uh, you'll still have some college football conference championship games going on in primetime, obviously Saturday night. But from the Alabama perspective, it's a, uh, it's a really unique double dip for Alabama fans. You're going to have to check the remotes and the, excuse me, check the batteries and the remote control at the Ryer house, the way we'll be flipping channels for the. uh, Yeah, that'll be a multi, even though you should not have, well, see, here's the thing though. I mean, that, 
SEC championship game is on CBS, so it may not wrap to like nine central. It you could know? be late, yeah. So you might have to go two TV setup. Might have to go double barrel TVs uh, to make all that work if you're an Alabama fan out there. But uh, that's what DVR is for as well. You know, you make good use of that if you can't catch it all. Uh, at the same time, you can kind of go back and check it out. But, um, you know, Gonzaga actually played Monday like night. Like Elvis the King used to have. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Those, those, <laughs> those uh, VCRs. Yes, sir. Yeah. Taping those ch- TV shows. <laughs> but no, you can, you can, uh, yeah, it's, 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 Gonzaga had a tough game Monday night against Charlton State. They uh, they came back from Vegas, and you know that's tough. You go play a game like that against Duke in Vegas on Friday night, and you come home, and then you see a team like Tarleton State, which isn't a bad club. And so that was a bit of a struggle, but I'm guessing uh, I'm guessing the Zags will be fully engaged and rested and ready to go for Saturday night. All right, other conference championship action in football going on. Of course, you've got Baylor, Oklahoma State, Michigan, Iowa, Pitt Wake Forest, a matchup nobody ever thought they'd see, I guess, over in the ACC, uh, hmm. o- Oregon, Utah, Pac-12. Among those four matchups, Travis, uh, what grabs you? What would you most look forward to seeing? Huh, that's kind of a tough one. Go ahead and throw the ACC game out because uh, that sounds like an old Peach Bowl or something, you know, with Pitt and yeah. Wake Forest. Uh, and I'm not talking about New Year's Six Peach Bowl era no. either. Uh, Fulton County Stadium Peach Bowl, as us old timers <laughs> recall pretty well. No, I would, you know, I mean, it's got to be a couple of them. I mean, the the Baylor-Oklahoma State game's early Saturday, right. I believe. So, I mean, that's obviously one worth watching. I don't trust Oklahoma State. I could see Baylor winning that game. If you're an Alabama fan, and you're thinking of a alternative path into the CFP other than a win over Georgia, that could be important. Um, and I want to see if Michigan can, can kind of finish the deal uh, in the big 10 and it should be able to against Iowa. But again, another team that you have trust issues with um, and for good reason. So what about you? What, are, what, what do you Iowa. got at the top of the I, list? I smell an Iowa win. Oh, Hawkeyes. I, I, yeah. I mean, can't you? It, is it not easy to picture Michigan getting, finally getting over the hump against yeah. Ohio State, and then turn around and and get blindsided by Iowa in, in the money game? I can see it, it all day long. It's not hard to envision that scenario. It is not because see Iowa can ugly it up with Michigan. Michigan wants to play in the telephone booth and you know, run the ball, do all those things. I was fine with that type of game. 16, so 10, yeah. Know. Yeah. 13, 12 or something, <laughs> you know, that's right up. Iowa's alley. I, you know, I'm interested in Cincinnati, Houston. Um, you know, again, this is a game that you think Cincinnati takes care of, but Dana Holgerson, Houston's had a quietly really good season of its own. Um, it won't be easy for the Cougars, but that's another one I'll be interested in. Looking forward to it. Big football weekend on tap. Talking Tide podcast signing off now. Be sure to uh, join us when Travis and I reconvene to recap Alabama's SEC championship game against Georgia. We'll be doing that on Sunday evening. Looking forward to it. For Travis Ryer, AlabamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. 
and we'll talk to you all then here on Talking Tide.